Which we've found, I've got one all the time, but there we go. Okay. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, I'm delighted to uh, welcome Mark Foster, uh, very much a household name, and um, really Mark needs no introduction, but I'm delighted he's joined me today just to talk about a uh, bit of mindset, and uh, no doubt we'll all we'll touch on a bit of golf, uh, because I know Mark does enjoy a game of golf. But of course, when you look back uh, in history, Mark, six world champion um, records, two Commonwealth uh, records, uh, numerous, I think it was 11 European titles, uh, and an incredibly successful career. Um, and obviously, you then went on to appear on Strictly, you appear on The Chase, um, and at the moment, you're out in Budapest, um, with the International Swimming League. So, thanks for joining us, Mark. Um, tell us what you're up to in Budapest. Uh, well, this is there's, there's a new swimming concept at the moment, which is called the International Swimming League. Uh, this is the second year. So, last year was the first. It's basically a Ukrainian multi-billionaire businessman's idea who yeah. loves swimming. His son loves swimming. So, they went, Do you know what? We think swimming could be more exciting and become more professional so he threw some money at it last year there were there were four teams from the usa and four teams from europe and they competed in europe in the usa and then last year we had a final just before christmas in las vegas so they built a swimming pool in the middle of the mandalay bay hotel and it was mad it was literally mad but it was brilliant and that was the first year and then this year now is the second year and obviously with covid and everything else mm. no one thought it was going to happen but this guy is determined yeah so he brought all the top swimmers in the world over to Budapest and we're in a kind of, I call it a swimming bubble. So between our hotel, which is where all the production team are from the TV side and the swimmers hotel, which is just over the road, has got about 600 swimmers and coaches and massage and backup staff. And then in the swimming pool. So we sort of float between the three places to make sure that no one gets it. Yeah. We all get tested for COVID every five days. So my nose hurts a lot. No, it doesn't. I just sneeze a lot. <laughs> um, and then, uh, so yeah, it's a swimming competition, an international swimming competition where all the top swimmers across the world have come to compete, different teams, mm. teams from California, Washington, China, um, sorry, Tokyo, and then yeah. London. So in, in the final, depending on when this goes out, I don't know, um, you've got London Raw. Mm. Um, so if you're from the UK, you support London. There's two American teams and then there's a team from France. So I'm here. And uh, I always sort of maintain the next best thing to doing it was talking about it. So now I get to talk about it. I get to share my love, my passion of swimming with whoever, whoever tunes in, whoever can find it. Yeah, fantastic. Good. And um, you've been over there for five or six weeks now? Uh, yeah, five and a half weeks and finishing on final Saturday, Sunday. Right. Superb. Superb. Um, a long time. It, it does, yeah, it does, does seem a long time. Certainly being, being back in the UK, Mark, you've missed the, probably the best time not to be in the UK with the, the lockdowns and everything that's going on at the moment. But we hope that uh, that all finishes very soon. Mm -hmm. um, so, Mark, take me back, uh, and I know you would have answered this many times in your life in different interviews and, and what have you, but go back to when you first started to get into swimming, um, Obviously, getting up at, I don't know, four or five o'clock in the morning as a, as a young lad, uh, teenager, what on earth motivates you to, to get out of your bed at that time of the morning, especially in winter, when it's freezing cold outside, and, and you're a similar age to me, I, I know, 
I know you. You're going <laughs> to. You're, 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 no, you're slightly. I mean, what's a couple of years or so? It's you know. Um, however, I remember being a teenager, waking up and there was frost on the windows, and you know, it was it was hideous. What made you do that at five o'clock in the morning? Um, I suppose there's a number of things, really. I suppose that the driving force behind me, first and foremost, was, was my mum. Because she was the one that woke me up, um, basically threw the duvet off me, said breakfast downstairs, went down breakfast, threw in the car, and then got taken to training. So she was, for all intents and purposes, she, was, she motivated me mm. physically uh, uh, and mentally. It was always one of those things that I realised that I was good. Uh, I realised that if, if I didn't do it, no one would do it for me. Um, and being a, a, a kid, and I'm still, I'm just a big kid now, I like hanging out with people. So I realised that by going training, I got to hang out with my mates. Yeah, we'd plough up and down for two hours, two and a half hours every morning. And it was sort of 5.30 to 8 o'clock every morning before school. So then my mum would take me to school and I'd have school all day and I'd go and swim again in the evening. And um, It's just what I did. It's what I had to do to, to, to be as good as I was. But then there was loads of other kids that did the same thing. So I suppose yeah. my lesson was that no one does it for you. Um, I used to love standing on top of the podium and winning. Yeah. I didn't always win. It was more about um, being the best that I could be. I just happened to be better than most other people. Yeah. Every time I went training, I always knew that it was I'd get tiny improvements. And who doesn't like doing bests? Whatever you're doing, or whatever you're whatever you're taking part in, whether it be sport or whether it be in life. You yeah. know? So, but I knew it didn't come without putting the hard work in. Yeah, I never, I never looked at it as hard work because it was when you you know when you love something, it's sort of I don't know, it's, yeah. it's easy. You just do it, don't you? Yeah, yeah. You you find something in life that that you love doing, and and. The, the old saying is true, it doesn't then seem like work. No. no. Then, work, yeah. work, work is something that's, well, in my head, it's something that's hard, but, you know, yeah. I, but, but I, I, have, I have a stupid optimistic approach to whatever I do, so <laughs> it never seems like work. I mean, I, work, work for me is reading something. I'm not very good at reading, so I have to force myself to do it. Right. And then I get self-gratification that, A, I force myself to do it, and I, and I learn something. And, and you've done it, yeah. I think your your reason for, for getting up, sort of hanging out with your mates was probably the reason I went to school as well. Um, I, I'm not one of these that sort of, oh, I love school and what have you. I love school for the reason that it was great to go and see your mates and we had a laugh and, you know, I probably didn't learn as much as I should have done. But what adult doesn't turn back in life and say, oh, if I'd only done this. If but, I could, if, if I, if I, if I, would I, no. Um, would have, should have, could have, did. Yeah, yeah. And well, assuming I did, and some of the other stuff I did, that if I, if I only um, could, I could have, yeah. Anyway, I, I look back at school, and, and it was great. You know, it, all your mates were there. Fantastic. So, growing up, obviously, you enjoyed seeing all your mates swimming, etc. Who was your idol back then um, in terms of swimming? Who, who did you look up to to think? That's what I'm going to be. That's what I aspire, or be even better than. Um, you'll remember this. You're the same age as me. So, uh, first of all, <laughs> roughly the same age. People won't believe that, Gary Nathan. I know. I know. <laughs> I, uh, first time I saw swimming on TV uh, was the 1980 Olympics, and it was 
uh, I saw Duncan Goodchie win Olympic gold medal. Mm-hmm. And I remember going, wow, swimming on TV. I swim. I can connect with it. Um, but more importantly, about a year after those Olympics, Duncan Gucci did a sort of roadshow around the UK and went to various clubs. And he, mm-hmm. you know, my club had him along to my club, which is one of the things that I do now about my part of giving back. But he turned up and uh, I was 11 years of age. Yeah. And he came in and he, you know, ah, it's Duncan Gucci, that person I saw on the TV is now in our pool mm. and he came along and he told us his story about how he became Olympic champion and you know the, the obstacles he had to get over uh, and he showed us his Olympic gold medal and I'm you know like me and all the other kids were touching it going oh we want one of them mm. you know like every kid does but you don't realize what it takes to become Olympic champion um, but probably more importantly for me was the fact that he stood on the poolside and there was it was probably about 100 200 150 of us I don't know there's a lot of club members and he said, how many strokes did it take to get from here to the other end of the pool? And it was our big 33 and a third metre pool, which we swam every day. And of course, there we are, little tadpoles. And then he comes and he's, you know, he said, how many strokes? So we all put a hand up and said 20, 15, 10. Anyway, he dove in and it took him, it's a true story, it took him three strokes. Wow. And it's, it's breaststroke, it's a long stroke, I know. And, he, and he, he glided it out a bit. But it was, to me, it was amazing when you saw what is possible with the human body when you teach it to do something. Yeah. You know, I, swimming, that was my thing. It could be football, it could be golf, it could be painting, it could be whatever it is. Yeah. But and I just got blown away by how good he was. And I just remember going, I want to go to the Olympic Games, I want to be like Duncan Goodshoe, I want to win an Olympic gold medal. Yeah. And then in the back of my head, I said, but please let me keep my hair. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I've got loads of it. Mine's it's not even there. I thought you were doing a sponsored haircut at the moment and sort of growing it ready for. I, I need a transplant, and there we are. Sure. I'm just proving to. to well, I'll tell you, it's a bit of a deviation, but a stupid story. 1985, we had a training camp for the Olympic Games in Tallahassee, in Florida, before the Olympics in 1996 in Atlanta. And I was there with all my other teammates. It happened to be my 25th birthday. So they all the team got me a present. And my present was just for men. Because I, I was going grey at 25. <laughs> you, my mates on the team, I was 25, they were 2019, they were a bit younger than me. Yeah. They had to piss at me saying, oh, look, you know, you're, 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 you're receiving a bit here. Yeah. I, remember, I remember them saying it. Well, I tell you what, Gary, I might be grey, but I've still got my hair and they're all bald. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, you know, it's... I'm you're doing all right. I'm not going to turn around, Mark. I'm not going to turn around. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, sorry, I deviate. So yeah, that, that, that young kid was inspired by Duncan Gucci, first and yeah. foremost, at 11 years of age. And, and funny enough, after he came along to my club, I went to the National Age Group Championships in Blackpool. Mm. Every year it's in a different place. And I went up to Blackpool and it was all the best 11 and unders, 13 and unders, 15 and all the age groups from around the country, all the top swimmers went to Blackpool and raced. I was this little kid from Essex. Yeah. Yeah, I was the best in Essex because I'd raced the Essex Championships. So I was racing people from Yorkshire and Somerset and Scotland, everywhere. Mm. Anyway, I won. I, I won my race. And yeah. I won five races. And I thought, I'm quite good at this then, mm. obviously. And I, and I came back and it was about getting feedback, really, for me, which was, we had the Swimming Times magazine. And in the Swimming Times magazine, which was like Swimming's Manual. Yes. We had got coaching tips and stories and it had all the results from our national championships but at the back it had all the results from america china australia and i just 
remembered because human beings we compare mm. and i looked at my time and i compared it to all the other countries and i realized i was the fastest 11 year old in the world yeah yeah but that wasn't just because this little little 11 year old wanted to be like duncan Goodyear. <laughs> with hair with hair yes. with hair yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've never won the Olympic gold medal, but I kept my hair. You got your hair, but I don't know. I mean, some people will trade that. Some people will trade that. I, I, I might well myself. You might. Um, I mean, it's, it's incredible. I think whatever sport you're in, Mark, um, I mean, as you know, um, and, and this is how we met through golf, yeah. most people have someone that, that they look up to. And I've always said mindset-wise, to, to go to what I call elite athletes, uh, and I obviously include you in that in the swimming side and people like Tiger Woods on the golf and whoever is at the top of their game, there is something about their their mindset to, to drive them on because I think there's so much talent out there. You could even say musicians. You know, anyone that is exceptionally good at something, um, the, the, the sort of professionalism is there to be that edge Gold medalist, world championship, Commonwealth Games. Um, who, who do we have? Duncan. Uh, Duncan, you got is on my mind. <laughs> Dustin, Dustin Johnson. Deeply, last week at the Masters, you know, someone that good. There's something going on, a little bit special, uh, in, in their mindset. And yet, we've all got, and we're all born with these brains that some of us use the mind and, and some, some don't. So when you were up in Blackpool, was that the time, do you think, when you were comparing all these times, yeah, that's the time I thought, hmm, I could be the next Duncan Goodhue or world champion. Yeah, it's the time I started, believe, I started believing more, I suppose. Um, yeah, reflect, I suppose one of the things with, with, with my sport is that when you touch the wall, You've got a time, mm. whether I be 11 years of age or I broke the world record eight times, it's still my best time. And, and, uh, and I had this, um, and I think we all do, we're all competitive, which is I always wanted to do better. It wasn't about, yeah, when it came to a race, it was about beating people, but it was always about, well, I was chasing a time. I was chasing what I, what I call the sort of, I was obsessive about trying to have the perfect race. Yes. Now, I, never got, I never got the perfect race, but did I know a, uh, the last time I broke the world record, I'm going to get this wrong probably. I think I was 33. Yeah. And then 31. I'll remember. I'll come to it. Anyway, I continued for another seven years, still believing mm. that I could go faster. Every time I got in the pool, every time I went in the gym, I had an obsession with trying to get the perfect race. But it was, but it was also, uh, you you have to have an obsessive nature. But one of the things I found that probably, and in, in some of the things you don't you don't know you're doing it until you've done it, mm. which was, I created really good habits, but those habits came because I hanged around good people. Mm. And that was more luck than judgment for me because I got a scholarship to Millfield School when I was 13 years of age. I was the best swimmer in the world from age 13, but I went to Millfield, this little 13 year old, and there were senior swimmers there from 16 to 18 who were national team members, mm. and they were better than me. You know, they were bigger, they were faster, they were stronger. Yeah. I used to say they used to beat me up in training, not physical sense, but yeah. in the water, beat me up. But I'm a bit like a, you know, I watch and observe. And I think by that, that's my way of learning. I'm, I'm very visual. So I'd watch the way they swam, the way they dove in, and probably more importantly, the way they behaved outside the pool. And mm. by hanging around them long enough, 
those habits became my habits without him. And I didn't know this was going on. I just, just did it. So that's why I say more luck than judgment. I put myself always in a position where I was with people that were better than me. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I can... Hence play the goal from you, Gary. I mean, but it didn't rub off. I smashed you. Sorry. Anyway, go out to later. <laughs> go on, carry on. Well, don't forget when I mean, you just told me you're a lot younger than me. So um, how can you go and be <laughs> an old man on the course? Go ahead. Uh, just going back to those sort of creative habits and, and hanging around with people that are better, that, that works surely in life, doesn't it? Not just in swimming, in golf. And, you know, I, and I've been an advocate of this for a long time. If, if you want to achieve something, go and find out someone that does it better than anyone else and hang around with them and start to mirror and match what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Because that then starts to rub off on you, whether it's subconsciously and you don't realize it's happening. Um, I mean, there's little golden nuggets we're given. And I think it was Steve Jobs that said for, from Apple many years ago, you can't join the dots of life looking forward. You can only join them up looking back. And you suddenly, mm -hmm. why did I do that? Ah, that's why I did that. Why did I hang around with all these people? That's why I did it. And you don't realise always at the time. No, no, because at the time you're just you're yeah, you're you're just engrossed in it. And I don't think you're yeah you're not you 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 can't reflect when you're in it. Sometimes it's always one of those things about it was something. I'm going to say oh, I, I learned more from the time when times went wrong than I did when they went right. When they went right, it's like oh next thing, next thing, next thing. Yeah. When it went kind of you have to well you sensible. You have to think of why it went wrong. And yeah. that that's not just in athletic performance. That's that might be relationships, it might be jobs, it could be whatever. Yeah. And I, and I hung around as a kid, the wrong people a few times. I say the wrong people, they're not the wrong people, they're the right people, they're the right people that, that I needed to get a lesson and I got it from most people. Yes, yeah. I mean, they, without sort of jumping into too, too many cliches, every day is a learning event, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That something happens every day that you think, ah, oh, never knew that. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, going back to golden nuggets, um, I've certainly had a few in, in my time. I didn't realise they were at the time. Uh, certainly, my dad used to come out with, with. Bearing in mind, my dad was a builder. You know, he wasn't a particularly educated man. He was uh, of the age that probably played a bit of truant, and then the war started, etc. But I always remember from a very young, sort of being as far back as I can remember. He used to turn around and say, whatever you do, go and do it to the best of your ability and believe yourself. Tell yourself, his expression was, tell yourself you're Jack the Lad. You know, and at the time, you, it's, well, it's your dad, you know, you, you don't, don't take any notice of it. But looking back, I know what sort of belief that put in my head for anything I'm doing. That, yeah, you may not be the best, but you can, you can give it the best shot, certainly. So... Any golden nuggets from you? Anyone that wants to achieve something, Mark, or whether it be business, sport, or whatever, what's a, a sort of couple of sentence golden nugget? Uh, I've got a couple of sentences. I could talk for hours. Um, I suppose what, what, one of my, someone put what, what for me, I know we've sort of, I just spoke about it then, but they put it in words, which was, fly with the eagles, don't peck with the hens. Mm. And uh, it was actually a, golfing there was a lady golfer who was a very first professional lady golfer right and a friend of mine vivian saunders mm -hmm. and i and i and i remember saying what i never i never i was still swimming at the time and i was still sort of focused on what i was doing but yeah, yeah. reflecting it was surrounding yourself with like-minded people and 
fortunately, tick. That's what I did. Mm. But you know, I, I but like I say, luck and judgment. I didn't. I didn't do it knowingly saying, oh, do you know what? Don't hang around with these lot. Hang around with these lot because these lot are better than these lot. It just wasn't that. I yeah. just, my sport put me in the right place with the right people. And fortunately, there was a structure in place that kind of caught me or guided me, so to speak. So, yeah, fly with the eagles, don't pick with the hens. Um, one, one lesson I got from school, which was, again, it's, now I've gone into doing, motivational speaking, keynote speaking, mm. whatever I do, I talk. Um, mm. But one of the things I realized, why I did all these things without knowing I did them, but, I was, but the sport gave me that, and I just happened to think that way, mm. which was we all choose the way we show up to whatever we do, whether it be playing golf and we'll have a bad day, uh, whether it be office, whether it be a relationship, whether it be, whatever it is, training, competition, whatever. Mm. But, we all turn up and we, 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 ha we have a choice. We have a choice in the way that we, um, our, our, our attitude, because we choose that. Your parents don't choose that. Your mates don't choose that. Your wife doesn't choose that. Your friend, whoever. You yeah. choose your attitude. You choose your behavior. And I always think that, I'm, I'm stupidly optimistic about things, but if I play from a 10, my results won't necess necessarily be a 10. But, you know, I think of a scale of 1 to 10, but they'll kind of be in a, or five or six or seven. I don't know. I'll, I'll get. I'll get something out of it. Yes. Rather than turning up on my attitude, my behaviour. We've all done it on a on di to do to, to different things. Where you go, what's the point? Mm. What we're doing? I'm not going to learn anything. And I've got this. I've got this mindset of this is pointless. Yeah. Well, guess what? I, I know my results are going to be one none. Mm. So my whole thing is about your attitude and your behaviour. You choose so whatever you turn up to, whatever it is. It might be a. Uh, a wedding, a birthday party, uh, uh, an interview, a golf event. You turn up and you, you play from a 10 because you know, you'll get something out of it rather yeah. than be one of these people that go, oh, I knew it was going to happen to me because do you know what? If you think that way, it probably will. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So swimming aside, Mark, you've obviously had a very successful career um, commentating, still involved in, in, in swimming. But of course, um, you are um, a one of the the elite strictly come dancers. <laughs> I'm not sure what part of elite I am. And um, listen, I'm, I'm doing no scoring. There's no sevens or anything like that. Um, but in terms of competitiveness, did you take the same competitiveness into that as oh, yeah. you did? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I just realised very quickly that. It wasn't that I wasn't any good. It was more to do with the fact that, how do I say it? It wasn't a level playing field mm. in terms of, you know, for my, my thing was about being the best that I could be. Week one, before week one, when I got uh, asked to do the show, I went, I'm going to smash this. Never danced before in my life. Yeah. Literally, uh, I'm, a, I'm a head bopper. If, 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 if I'm, I'll never get on the dance floor unless I've had a few drinks. I don't drink that much, so that never happened that often. But I kind of like to think I had a bit of timing. Yes. But yeah. Ballroom and Latin dancing is completely different. And, uh, and I realised week one, when I did the show, I thought, I thought I'm getting quite good at this. And uh, again, I'm with my pro dancer in a studio dancing mm. six hours a day. I, I wore her out. I said, Look, let's go again. Let's do it again. Because I just thought, <laughs> I'm, do I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Yeah. I'm, you know. I'll be as good as I can be. 
And then when week one, and you won't remember my year, but 2008, there was, um, I turned up, did rehearsals on the Friday before the show on Saturday. It was men's week the first week. There was eight of us. And I'm thinking, I'm quite good. And, and before me that went on to the dance floor was a guy called Austin Healy, mm. rugby player. Yep. Uh, and I knew Austin. I've met, well, so I met Austin. We, you know, we chatted and we got to know each other. Anyway, he, I, I thought I'm quite good. I'll, I'll be much better than him. Watch this. Anyway, he went on the dance floor. I, I just remember going, wow. <laughs> He's quite good. Yeah. And then that was a sportsman as well. So I was like, oh. So I'm comparing myself to him. But then out walked um, a guy called Tom Chambers, who's been in the West End, doing, basically he's an actor. Yep. And actors and actresses have got some form of dance, whether it be tap, whether it be, they've done that. Yeah. yeah. And he went out and, he, and I just went, wow. I mean, it was <laughs> awesome. But again, my reflection was, I went out, I did my bit, and I just thought, you're just going to just enjoy the journey, be as good as you can be. And fortunate for me on my year, Gary, there was a guy called John Sargent. And he saved me. He showed the world how that I was quite good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what I, what I, looking back, and you only could look back through experience from doing something. I went in with no dance experience, and I now can do certain dances, and I, and I got better. Yeah. But I was up, I was up against people that were already up here before they even started. So in in, in that scenario, trying to catch them, I couldn't have. No. Um, the only way I'd I'd, I'd have beaten them is if the public that voted for John Sargent and voted for me. Mm, mm. But they voted for John Sargent. That's some comparison, isn't it? You and John Sargent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I mentioned that, but yeah. I mean, when strangely enough, my, my daughter, um, Sophie, she is mad keen dancer, loves obviously Strictly and, and what have you. Uh, but I think you'd struggle dancing with her because um, she's actually shorter than me, Mark. I was going to say, she's got your height. Well, less than my height. I mean, I'm, I'm a giant compared to her. So, <laughs> pick her up. Uh, you'd have to pick her up like this, absolutely. Um, well, the interesting thing was, about Shirley Come Dancing, just, just one, one quick thing. Hmm. I did the show, I love the show. I, I, I did, I threw myself into it. Um, I went out week six, so I kind of made it halfway. Um, but from that experience, and I, and I have this thing with life, which is from every experience becomes an opportunity. Now... I did strictly, I know nothing about dance. I know about sport, I knew about health, and I know about well-being. So from doing the show, I had this thing. I just finished swimming, and I thought, I want to get people fit and healthy. And in my head, it was going to be circuits. It was, it was hip workouts and stuff, you know, burpees, star jumps, press-ups. But anyway, I, I kind of then realized from doing the show, and I went on to do the Strictly Come Dancing tour and dancing in front of 15,000 people, which was immensely strange. They were watching me dance rather than swim. was very strange. But I thought, gosh, so many people love this show. Strictly is massive. Mm. There's a dance craze called Zumba, which is massive. And I, saw, I thought, some people don't like swimming, running, biking, gymming, golfing. They love dance. Dance is yes. massive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I had a chat with two of the pro dancers, the girl I danced with on tour and her professional partner called Ian Waite. And we yeah. said to them, can you put dances to music and put it into a, a class-structured form, like one-to-one -one with a teacher? Mm. You know, we can stream it. Mm. Uh, and now we've got a company called Fitsteps, and we've got 2,000 trainers across the UK teaching, teaching Fitsteps. And we stream UK, Germany, and we're just going to the United States. So Great. from that experience, which I had, you know, I threw myself into it, I came an opportunity. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. I'll, um, I'll put the link to that actually below, Mark, and oh. uh, get a bit more publicity there for you. Thank you very much. People won't see me dance, they'll see real dancers, but there yes. we go. Well, yeah, I mean, Ian's, uh, Ian's a pretty talented dancer, isn't he? So, yeah. 
And of course, other TV appearances, most recently, was The Chase. And uh, I know, a car crash. And I know you love a quiz. So I've just one question for you. Okay. Yeah. No research. Yeah. The last time we played at the Shire, how many birdies did you record? What actual birdies or, or, or net gross or net? One actual birdies. Actual birdies. Uh, you all probably remember because you put a, took a photo of the card. I've, I've done it. Was it three? No, you're being modest now. It was three. It was three. <laughs> but, uh, I think I've got to take your first answer. <laughs> I thought I was going to say three, but I didn't want to be honest. Now, in terms of uh, golf, and, and I'm going to wrap up, uh, Mark, because you're probably doubtless going to go and have some food um, later on. But just in terms of golf, taking that mindset, and I know because I've played with you on, on the golf course, that mindset, when we played, yes, you, you narrowly beat me. Um, well, I think there was about three or four holes to go. <laughs> you were... Nowhere near as good a golfer after those three to uh, after you've beaten me, and I remember you said to me at the time, and you may remember this because you probably tell everyone, if there's nothing to play for, you it, mentally you give up. You're that competitive. Yeah. Once, once job's done, yeah. Um, it, it's, I, I I I just like something. I can go out for the. I play a lot with my mates, hmm. and uh, and of course. Yeah, you go out, you go out. And, and someone actually said to me this morning, I was in the gym, and they went, you play a lot of golf. They were thinking, they were thinking of starting. Adam Peaty said to me the other day, he wants to start playing golf. Good. And I said, good for all these reasons, which is, all right, outside of his training and beating his body up, I said, you've got something where, first of all, it's an exercise. Mm. It's not a hard exercise, but it's an exercise as a walk. Yeah. Something you can do, do till 80, 90 years of age or whatever it might be. But you're outside, fresh air, you're outside in the countryside, yeah. uh, you've got company, hopefully good company, um, and you've got the challenge of getting better at something. So it kind of ticks the boxes in, in lots of different areas yeah. for me. And, that, and that's, yeah, and, but, but having been a sportsman, wherever I go out, even, even a corporate golf day for charity, I have to, because sometimes I'll get halfway around and I'll go, I forgot to do it, which is, I make sure we split into two twos and it's in its competition. There's, there might be a beer at the end of the stage, but it's, there's got to be something I've got to play for. You've got to play for something, absolutely. Mark, it's, um, I'm, I'm really delighted you've joined me this afternoon. Um, it's been fantastic. Uh, I've certainly learned a little bit more about you. Um, have a very safe journey home uh, on, on Monday. Probably the time this goes out, you may already be home. Um, <laughs> And we'll grab the diary because I'm sure Mr. Johnson and the, the cabinet will say after the 2nd of December, you can go and play golf again. I certainly okay. hope he does. And to, give you a, to give you a slight advantage, I do believe that we have to play the Bentley just so you've got a chance. Well, you can come over there. I, I know the course quite well. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, I'm going to turn the recording off. And um, uh, again, once again, thank you very much indeed. Pleasure.